0: United States submarine base at Key West Florida. The dispatch that voted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Ross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Ross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects exist. Hi. Hi. Um Hey, what's up? My name is Noelle, and I am actually, speaking of Typhoid Taylor's 30th birthday Y2K theme, um, I have to alter my fucking Britney outfit. It is so big, Chelsea. It is so fucking big. I don't know what to do. Uh,
1: bring it over when you come over on Monday. We'll fix it when you come down. Okay. Actually, that's so smart. You're so smart. <laughs> 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 Easy peasy. Okay. And then, cause I was going to ask if you'd want to go, um, thrift shopping so that we could find my my outfits. I feel like mine's going to be significantly easier cause I literally just need a jacket yeah. and a denim shirt.
0: Yeah. I was actually thinking, what if we get you like a blazer and then just like cut up denim and glue it on there? Because doesn't he have a blazer? It's like a denim blazer. No, it's like a really shitty oversized jean jacket, uh, Justin sure? and Brittany denim. Um, For those who don't know, we are attending a Y2K themed birthday party for Typhoid Taylor. And um, Chelsea and I are going as the iconic, iconic um Denim red carpet look. No, you're right. British it's like a Justin Timberlake suit top. Yeah, so I think we should do that. I think we should find you a oversized um, blazer, and then we just get a few pairs of like one to two dollar denim, Come cut on. them up, and then fucking yeah, design that bitch blazer. So, but anyway, oh, they have denim blazers online.
1: They have one at fucking Forever Twenty One. Who would have thunk?
0: Oh, actually, kind of me, baby. Um, oh, there's also one at Target. This is easy-peasy. Oh, weird. Okay. Slay. Um, anyway, speaking of things that are easy-peasy, it's going to get a little bit not easy-peasy, but I decided that um, I made the executive decision when things started to go off the rails, I wasn't going to pull Chelsea and I was going to stay on the rails. So when uh-huh. we get there, you'll know. But um, in honor of the curse theme, since we learned about the cursed Hope Diamond, I'm yeah, going to talk about some some cursed some cursed things that I enjoy. Because I was technically supposed the whole episode was supposed to just be cursed objects, and then I took it over and I did not let you participate. But that's fine because we learned so much, and I honestly am so um, intrigued and terrified by the Hope Diamond and mm-hmm. its um, divine retribution to colonialism. So. You said cursed objects too, and this is how I know we both cannot stay on a theme to save our lives, because you were like, let's do cursed objects, and then you honed in on one object. Right. And then I said, well, what about, what about another cursed genre? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Awesome. Yeah, I was surprised when I saw the title. I was like, oh, okay. You're welcome. In 1971, William Blatty, I hope that's how you say his name. Last name. It looks like it. Put out a genre-defining novel that topped the New York Times bestseller list for seventeen weeks and remained on the list for fifty-seven consecutive weeks, and would go on to sell thirteen million copies in its first year. Okay.
1: Also, I think it's William Bla. I'm not going to say it like that. You should say it like that.
0: Bla. <laughs> Bill Bla. Oh, Bill Bla. It's, okay, this is just once again fueling my need for a fucking Peaky Blinders night. Anyway, and not where we watch Peaky Blinders, where we dress up and go out and speak in (gasps) terrible accents as Peaky Blinders. I'm
1: also on, like, the Peaky Blinders thirst trap TikToks, where it's, like, Paloma Faith, the Deadly Kiss song, and then it's just, like, Cillian Murphy, just slow motion walking through set, and I'm like, where'd I get, I haven't seen that either, so...
0: Oh my god. I hate to be on a tangent literally second sentence in, but so Typhoid Taylor is super into A Court of Thorns and Roses, which yeah. is like vampire elf smut or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, it's that's not for me, that's not for me, even though like Twilight's as much as smut as I get, like that's it. And she was like, but wait, everyone who got done reading this series because people are crazy and they're reading like every book this bitch has ever made, they're like, after you go through all of those in seven days people are recommending this and the this is like a fucking smut about dating a guy in the mafia and i was uh-huh. like that's it i'm folded i'm folded i'm folded i'm folded i'm folded, I'm folded. Yes. <laughs> like that is
1: it that's it okay. for me dude that's it for me okay so you're in the yeah. smut
0: you're in the smut gang too i might be well i haven't gotten it yet but like the way i feel about mob movies the way i think about like the way i think about like Peaky Blinders the way I even think about Sopranos I'm like that is a man's man even the fucking Irishman when he like when he finds out that that cashier like talk shit to his daughter and he goes back there and like breaks his fucking hands in front of her mm-hmm. to like prove a point I was like that's a man that's a-, and I know yeah. that's what's wrong with me I get that but also I'll read the book is what I'm saying
1: so no I'd love that for you uh, I'm not one to judge because
0: I'm not I just, it's the most toxic trait about me is like, okay, sorry for another tangent. Here we go. There was one time I was at a bar and um, this like, this was like 2015. So this is like deep hipster era. This like crazy cliche hipster dude was like trying to hit on me and like talk to me. And yeah. I just remember like being like, I wish that like someone could save me from this man. He won't leave me alone. I feel cornered. I also was like anyway i was a young little child and i was like this feels like weird and like creepy so as i'm literally having these thoughts i see him like he's looking at me right yeah i'm facing him and i see his eyes go a little bit past me and he makes like a confused face and then right as soon as he makes a confused face his eyes get all big and i see a fist coming right by my face and hit him directly in his yeah. and dropped him like a sack of potatoes and i have never been more aroused and scared at the same time and i think that's the thing and then that person was like are you okay and i was like you know
1: like you want children <laughs> yeah. let's go
0: and and that is very toxic of me but i will blame that on watching the sopranos um growing up so anyway anyway back to this speaking yeah, of back um this. back back to this speaking of something completely unrelated so we're talking about Bill right William Bill he wrote a really great book um he grew up with a devout Catholic single mother and what he would call a quote comfortable destitution and grew up all throughout the boroughs of New York they never stayed in a place for like more than three months um and it always came down to unpaid rent but they were just bouncing Mm. around gotcha um yeah but Bill was bright. He attended Brooklyn Prep, a Jesuit school, on a scholarship, and graduated as class valedictorian in 1946. He then attended Georgetown University on a scholarship, where he got his bachelor's degree in English and then later his master's. Okay, so he's smart.
1: Yeah, he's. Smart. I'm still thinking he's Irish because all of this still screams Irish to me. But it that's does okay. very much scream. Yeah. very much.
0: and i will say one of the coolest i don't want this to give away the title before we get there but one of the coolest pictures i found of him is him like laying like very like just like chic bell bottoms big thick mustache laying on a bed playing with a ouija board and i was like oh my god okay okay yeah okay Almost,
1: um, sounds like he was maybe made for noel a little bit oh you know like the it. bell bottoms
0: oh you're gonna you're gonna know how made for me he was when i when i finish this sentence well not this sentence when we get to it when we get to it you'll know mm-hmm. um he was a prolific writer and became a well-respected director and producer because of his writing the film industry adapted a few of his works and had him calling the shots the entire process the reference piece of writing that i'm alluding to that he was most well known for is also his most well-known film work he went on to win an academy award for the screenplay as well as golden globes for best picture and best writing it became the first horror film ever to be nominated for best picture at the oscars and is considered to be one of the most well-documented cursed films to date let me think let me see if i can guess it uh poltergeist uh you got to think more origins you got to think more origins are you ready are you ready for me to tell you the horror heads will know when i say it was the um first horror film to be nominated for an oscar they'll know they'll know because from its beginnings the exorcist
1: Mm.
0: holds a lot of emotional weight which some say is the reason why it carries so much negative energy okay
1: okay i was gonna i had the exorcist like at the back of my mind but i just didn't say it
0: that's fine because i
1: i feel like i haven't heard of very many curses with the exorcist in the same way that i have with poltergeist so i went for what i thought would be the most cursed film
0: yeah poltergeist definitely has a lot of curses i picked my personal two favorite movies and like the, there's one specific thing that happened during like The Exorcist that makes me love it forever. And gotcha. if that's the only thing that's true, then it's still my favorite cursed film. I'm ready so, to learn. Cool. Good. I'm fucking glad. So aspects of the novel, which were then adapted into the movie, were inspired by the 1949 exorcism performed on an anonymous boy known as Roland Doe, obviously name changed for privacy, mm-hmm. by the Jesuit priest, Father William S. Bodern. William, or Bill, our Bill, as we're mm-hmm. now gonna refer to him, the author and um, who worked on the film were, you know, were cordial, changed the details of the case, um, such as the age, sex, location of the victim at the request of Father William. And as no surprise, Father Marin was closely based on the real life Father William. Okay. Paul Monish, the producer of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, linked up with Bill and reached a $400,000 or $2.8 million in modern dollars deal that gave Paul six months to get a studio to commit to filming The Exorcist. He secured the bag with Warner Brothers for $641,000. I did not do the um, conversion on that, but you can figure it out. Yeah, more than $2 million. Yeah, more than $2 million. <laughs> um, Bill recalled that Warner Brothers studio head John... Kaylee had been reading the book, The Exorcist, at his home alone in his bedroom, and found his dog unusually unwilling to join him on the bed. And as we both know, dogs love being on a bed. And they know too much. And they know a lot. About the devil. They sure do see it. He tried to drag the dog onto the bed, but the dog resisted vigorously. And when he finally succeeded and went back to go grab the book to finish reading, he noted that The exorcist book was hot to the touch. Oh Ooh, yeah. <clears throat> so the filming of the Exorcist was done over a nine month period. Let's go over some of the instances that occurred. Two thirty AM on a Sunday morning, a fire broke out on set. The set of the McNeil house went up in flames, so obviously like Reagan's home. Uh-huh. Okay. Almost. Almost the entire set. See, for whatever reason reagan's room was completely unscathed Mm, do you all know it doesn't burn demons demons don't burn baby demons don't burn and they had to take six weeks off to completely rebuild the set and another thing that i didn't put in here was like after rebuilding the set after the fire and they came back the sprinkler system malfunctioned and ruined the set again oh my my god it was like another two or four weeks they had to take off so i would just be over it at that point i know right I would have given up a long time ago. Like, <laughs> the moment it became even mildly inconvenient, I would have given up. Exact same. Exact yeah. same. Yeah. The moment it felt a little creepy and inconvenient, too, I'd be like, okay, enough.
1: I could handle the creepiness. I just couldn't handle the inconvenience. Like, just- I think...
0: Mm. of just having to wait around to rebuild that fucking set and Mm i i could be imagining this as a fever dream but i'm pretty sure they have pictures of it too where like the entire set is like in fucking charred embers and then reagan's room is perfect just fine yeah Mm
1: -hmm. and it's a
0: bit squarely so anyway um another little another little thing the moment max von scheido who played father Marin, touched down in new york to film his first scenes his brother Unexpectedly died in Sweden. That happens sometimes. It Siblings happen. just kick over. Yeah. yeah, sometimes. Or was it a curse? So Vaughn himself would then become extremely ill during filming. So double cursed on that guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Jack Mc. Gowen McGowan, he's Irish, who played um, Burke Dennings, died one week after his character was killed by the demon in the movie. Oh, man. Got his ass. Did, sure did. Jason Miller, who played Father Karras, got a warning from a priest who had no knowledge of his part in the film, came up to him on the street. I think he was like handing him a medallion or something. I don't know if a medallion means like a cross, whatever. And he said, the priest said to him, Reveal the devil for the trickster that he is. He will seek retribution against you, or he will even try to stop what you are trying to do to unmask him. See, that would get me
1: more than the fire. Yeah. Just a person talking to me in public.
0: Yeah, a stranger coming up to me and trying to have a conversation would definitely set me off my rocker. If that person also happened to be a priest handing me some sort of religious object Mm -hmm. and saying something nefarious to me, um, I don't think I would be scared. I think I would just be irritated.
1: I might. Well, yeah, I've had people just like on the street who are religious fanatics who don't like, you know, abortions or gay people who kind of accost you or they're – You know, they're like, oh, do you want to sign this? And you're like, no, because fuck you. That's why. And then they're like, you're going to go to hell.
0: But this is so much more targeted that that's what makes it scary. It is so much more targeted. Speaking of religious fanatics who try to accost you, have you ever had them give you like one of the, they're like, this is what a baby abortion looks like. And it's just like a baby cake topper. And you eat it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I've had a few, especially when I went to the uh, Planned Parenthood protest over the summer by myself mm-hmm. and uh, things got pretty heated there. We talked about it a little bit on podcast, um, but I feel armed and educated in those scenarios where it doesn't really get to me. Yeah. Um, you know a lot of this this curseness is reminding me of like even the people who play Jesus sometimes get fucked up you know what I mean
0: yeah well I feel like the the like common theme is like anytime you do something that's like um I what someone could consider blasphemous right yeah So, that also, not only does that include, like, portraying the devil, but that also means, like, portraying Jesus, because, like, I'm pretty sure even fucking Mel Gibson caught heat for being Jesus in Passion of the fucking Christ. I was just gonna say, Passion of the Christ had, like, a ton of stuff that went
1: weird on it, and that could even be, like, part two of this specific one, is just, like, religious movies in general. I... We've talked about it before, but if something has, like, a sacredness to it, it has, like, a charged energy. And sacred doesn't necessarily have to be religious. It could be, like, a fucking murder scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. you just know something's up. Yeah. I wonder if there's, like, enough religious dogma that is charging things like this. That it creates, like, a sort of tulpa. um, Or a poltergeist in its own
0: sense. That's where, like, I that's where like my woo-woo shit like comes in because i do feel that so much um controversy and negative energy was surrounding this movie and the movie we're going to talk about next and it was just like that the horror the horror oh my god horror the horror era um of this time period like it was Pushing the boundaries specifically with religion and with talking about like the devil and possession and like demonology and um, Satanism. And I think when you just have like that much energy at something, like just bad things are going to fucking happen. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I- I'm not saying that it was a curse per se. I'm just saying, like, so there was such a focus of people being out of their fucking minds that this was even happening. That, yeah. um, it, you know, it like caused some shit to go down.
1: I think too, like another thing that we see a lot of times in any haunted activity is like, a young girl becoming um, sexualized or, you know, like like how old was Linda Blair when she played Reagan? 14. So she dated Rick Springfield when she was 15 and he was 25. Mm -hmm. which is fucking gross. Um, So I also think that like even the mysticism surrounding like any girl maturing sexually, I think that that could also be like part of it. If you want to look at like common denominators when shit gets weird is I bet girls in Hollywood were not treated well. And I bet she was a victim of pretty nefarious things that probably even created like a higher sigil of just evil getting fired out into the universe
0: oh a thousand percent like she had mental breakdowns constantly while filming this movie um and you know she they they tried to like go about following like the minors and film codes and shit like that but like it was also it no like it just There, there were some absolutely terrible, fucked up things that happened to um, Linda ba- Blair specifically, like emotionally and physically during the filming of this movie, um, and also just like what happened to her afterwards. How they just like yeah. unleashed her into the world, and I do think that there is also like an unfortunate, um, negative. Uh, atmosphere that follows you when you portray this type of adult character with these adult themes and and then you're released onto the red carpets of Hollywood and yeah. then weirdo fucking old men are like oh yeah it's a little demon girl uh. mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah, it's disgusting it's disgusting yeah. it's uh
1: the creepy dudes in Hollywood want the social status of dating the fucking exorcist girl
0: yeah. There, one of these days we'll have to, I know that a bunch of them have written books, but about like the uh, 60s and 70s, um, like, child groupies. Yeah. Um, We'll have to, we'll we'll do, that'll be a big deep dive, because I know there's, I'm blanking on it now because I'm having a fucking. Steven Tyler just got
1: accused of something from a girl back in the day, like a yeah. young groupie.
0: And they have like all the pictures and evidence. Anyway, there's, yeah. there are books there's we'll have a, to read. a lot anyway anyway, anyway. bit gross so speaking of, speaking of um back in the time, back in an era when everything was awful um so we were still talking about uh Jason yeah Jason had Jason who played father caress had a fucking priest come up to him and say some spooky shit mm-hmm. and a few weeks later he received a call while filming that his youngest son Jordan was in critical condition after being run over by a motorcycle. That's a weird thing to get run over by. I know. And apparently on a <laughs> fucking beach. And apparently the no. beach is mostly empty. So what does that fucking mean? Motorcycle from hell. It was logo. Literally. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Christine, but a motorcycle. A witness said that the motorcycle appeared out of nowhere too. And I'm just like, I envision this and I know this is tragic. The boy did live. He was in critical condition, but he did survive. But I yeah. just imagine like this little boy, like very 70s style, like montage, flying a kite on the beach. just out of just nowhere, precious. like a, a fucking Ducat, He's just like,
1: Nicholas <laughs> Cage's ghost rider, Johnny Blaze, like yeah. does a stunt and then just runs down this young child. That Yeah, that is also a yeah. little bit sad but kind of funny well he lived he was okay hopefully there's no like trauma from that
0: well there probably is but that's okay um (laughs) ellen Burstyn, who played chris mcneil experienced such a stunt fuck up during the scene where she's slapped by reagan she plays the mom um that she was left with permanent spinal damage and was hospitalized for weeks weeks and um that scene like that entire scene is in the movie still like when you see her fly up against i think she like hits a radiator yeah this one i knew about this is the only one i've known about yeah and they left that in the film yeah they did like a really cheap
1: like theater trick where they like you get hit and then they pull the rope and then it makes it look like you've gone flying but they just like pulled her with so much force that yeah she like broke her back
0: yeah yeah um crazy i know it also just like the, the era of movies, like leaving in the accidents. Like sometimes it's cool. Like when Leonardo DiCaprio cut his hand on real glass and kept filming. Yeah. That like scene it was a choice. Django, that shit was crazy. But then you get shit like this where, um, a woman gets her fucking back broken and is screaming and writhing in pain. And they're just like, keep it rolling. Yeah. keep it rolling. But like this is great. Ellen. Yeah. This this is fucking, good. It's brutal. Um, when fabricating on set in New York, one of the carpenters cut off his thumb and one of the lighting technicians lost a toe. I She's,
1: feel like that's just the carpenters. I do, I do feel in like that.
0: But yeah. they, wanted to, they wanted to put in that they were also affected. Yeah. I'm, um, well, hopefully they got good insurance. Which I doubt, I doubt it. it. Yeah, I doubt it. Um, Ellen was also quoted saying, oh, you can read this, Chelsea. You read her quote. Wait, you skipped the last one. The 18-person crew. Oh, yeah, I did. Sorry. Uh, So an 18-person crew was sent to Iraq for the opening location shots, if everyone remembers. Um, Temperatures rose to a record-breaking 130 degrees and higher. Could you fucking imagine? No. Nine members of the crew were hospitalized due to dysentery or sunstroke. Yeah, that's terrible. I think that's cursed. If I got off the plane and it was 130 degrees, I would be like, actually, this is a cursed movie and we should stop. Mm -hmm. i'd be like i don't need the i don't need the money that bad no i'll just
1: find work here doing literally anything else
0: hopefully staying inside and out of that yeah so anyway ellen again from above um who played reagan's mom in the movie was quoted saying this i don't know if it was a jinx
1: but there were some really strange going-ons during the making of the film we were dealing with some really heavy material, and you don't fool around with that kind of material without it manifesting in some way. There are many deaths on the film. Linda's grandfather died. The assistant's cameraman, or the assistant cameraman's wife had a baby that died. The man who refrigerated the set died. The janitor who took care of the building was shot and killed. I think overall there were nine deaths during the course of the film, which is an incredible amount. It
0: was scary. Yes. It is scary. That is scary. And she was right. There were a total of nine deaths between the cast and crew before the movie was even released. The Hope Diamond of movies, man. I agree. I agree. And it got so out of hand and the actors were on such edge that they had Father Thomas Birmingham from the Jesuit community at Fordham University exercise the set. But it wasn't a technical exorcism, because as we know as um, Catholic aficionados, that has to be approved. Yeah, he probably just blessed it. He did. He gave a blessing, and that blessing ceremony was attended by everyone on fucking set, from the actors to the technicians to the gaffers. Every single person who even walked by the set was there for that blessing was
1: probably smart. I would have attended. Would you have attended that
0: blessing? I know that you're um, I'm not religious, but I I would have attended the blessing just because I was like, we need to cleanse the energy. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. I feel
1: like no matter what you believe, when that shit happens, like the things that people will grasp onto, I would. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just like, I don't believe in God and I'm not religious, but like if I hydroplane, I'm like, Jesus, if you hear me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so it's that same energy. Uh-huh, uh huh. So the father said that nothing else happened on set after the blessing. But around that time, there was a fire at the Jesuit residence where he lived. That was a warning.
1: That was like the equivalent of getting like, you know, the mob sends you a, a severed horse head. This was yeah. Being like, back up. This is like a
0: horse head from hell. Literally. In the form of fire literally they were just like hey the lannisters send their regards and then lit a fucking uh i don't know what you call uh it's like a covent for man male priest what do you call that what are the male monastery women? monastery yeah there you go um so besides the fire there were also unexplained because essentially the fire at the priest habitat was <laughs> <laughs> They're enc- their enclosure <laughs> the priest enclosure um the priest zoo so he was right like after the blessing there was nothing on set but it just kind of like moved it, the energy literally just moved so we had the the fire at the priest habitat and then when they were editing the film there were unexplained double exposures of a little girl's face and they have no idea who that little girl was and they have no clue how it happened Take and it happened like of- in the middle of the film um and everyone was just like, what the fuck? And creeped out. Do they have and, pictures of that? I'm looking it up. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't go looking for it, surprisingly. I didn't want to be haunted by the uh, images of a All ghost I'm getting girl's... is like,
1: yeah, I'm not seeing any. All I'm getting is like the demon face. You know, the one that looks yeah. like a vampire with the teeth. Yeah. yeah a,
0: what's his I'm name? Like that. Pazulu or something? Pazuzu? Right? Pazuzu. There we go. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of like, what's that uh Pasta. Pozzoli. <laughs> 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 I'm thinking Zaboomba foo that
1: fucking kids show, the lemur. R.I.P.
0: R.I.P. that lemur, Verily. you know. I don't
1: um, know how long they live. Maybe he's alive. Maybe they I, live 30,
0: 40 years. Um, I don't know. I feel like I read something. But anyway. <laughs> so anyway. Um, after, the films, after the film opened on December 26, 1973, reports of people in the audience fainting and vomiting during the showing started to come out.
1: Yeah, my uh, mom told me that. That was like something that I heard my mom well, telling. Me.
0: I mean, like even even when I like rewatched The Exorcist and that part where she's like fucking herself with the crucifix. Yeah, if I was even a remotely religious person in the seventies, in the early seventies too, I would have probably was. I would have probably like clutched my pearls. I I could have. I could see it happening for sure. Like that was pretty graphic. It's still to this day. Still to it's this day, holographic. It's yeah, pretty fucking graphic. Not only the fact that it was a fourteen-year-old girl in real life and depicted in the film, and she's like brutally, brutally, gruesomely like shoving a crucifix like in her coochie and screaming like about you know like your mother sucks cocks in hell. Like yeah, that's crazy. It's- I love that shit, and I'm even like that's crazy that's it, crazy it's so cemented
1: in pop culture too which is insane because there's a season of RuPaul's Drag Race where one of the queens says like your mother darns socks in hell and you're like oh I know what that yeah. is That's fucking RuPaul's Drag Race mm-hmm. um so I, imagine
0: being like a 70s housewife and seeing that on the big screen
1: yeah um My mom told me about like a lot of the, the legends of the exorcist, you know what I mean? And how it was scary and people fainted. So I had her, um, we did like a mother daughter hangout day, which we only, we didn't do very often, unfortunately, but I was like, let's go see the exorcist origins. Weird. Bad for us both. Yeah. Bad for us both because that's. Vile and I remember just like looking at my mom like I'm a child Why would you let mm-hmm. me make this decision and my mom just being like what have you done? But yeah, we were uncomfortable the whole time very yeah. graphic films.
0: Yeah, so I don't I like don't think that's like a PR thing I think like that's for real. I think yeah, for i real. I think so too because
1: When she scuttles down the stairs doing a fucking backbend like a little inverted crab. Yeah, got me so good. And I saw that for the first time, I think, when I was in high school at a sleepover. Mm -hmm. And And, like when she out loud.
0: When she like pisses on the carpet and like when the vomit, she starts vomiting. Like if you're like a person who like gags easy, like you're clapped. You're gonna vom. You're gonna go. You're gonna join her. Yes. So I, I believe it. Um, there were also reports of movie ushers having such vivid and disturbing nightmares and fucking sleep paralysis that it led to a mass quitting and theaters had a hard time backfilling the positions. Interesting. I know.
1: They should Uh, have had priests do it because then the priests could have simultaneously blessed people and also probably got some conversions.
0: Yeah. But then their fucking houses would have caught on fire.
1: Uh, you gotta, you can't be a pussy in those situations.
0: I mean, you're not wrong.
1: You got to deal with the hellfires.
0: I mean, they do literally when their houses catch a fire. So anyway, (laughs) after a few weeks in theaters, reporters found that every major hospital in cities where they had like the big like midnight showing Mm -hmm. red carpet releases, um, patients were reporting severe cases of vomiting and hallucinations after seeing the film. Could
1: you imagine
0: like, what film scared you the most like in your childhood i guess signs signs got you signs um, got me a, a pretty bad um to the point where like i wasn't and, th- and this is this is where like because sometimes you hear these like really exaggerative reports and you're like bullshit. but then yeah. i think about like when i saw signs and specifically like the found footage like when he like it's <laughs> from the party. in brazil yeah, yeah. um like that i was sleeping on the floor of my parents bedroom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i was keeping glasses of water around my bed yeah i was like unfucking well i was not sleeping i would wake up in a cold sweat and panicking i was terrified to look out the windows not because of like a fucking ghost but because i was convinced i was going to see that goddamn alien and so like like literally my life changed like my life changed because of that movie i had like weird rituals i had to do to like make me feel safe and okay yeah. so imagine and like and that's just a fucking alien imagine yeah. the deep roots of religion and then seeing this like what that's got to fucking do to you
1: i yeah i think um it got me when i was quite little cuz that's just a scary movie but then i watched it again as an adult and i was like this is fucking dumb hmm Um, I think the grudge and the ring got everybody. But you wanna know mm-hmm. what one really messed me up? I was in high school when I saw this and I was at a a like club and they were letting us watch it. It was fucking Darkness
0: Falls, the Tooth Fairy one. Oh, I could that not was, walk out to my car alone. <laughs> that one is a good one. That one is it, a good that was during like that early two thousands weird era of like, yeah. horror. Yeah,
1: that one got me. Man, yeah. we should have like a uh, I don't know. It's also like, do I want to go back and rewatch films like that? Because is it going to be like it where I went and saw it? Well, um, and I'm like, and this then is it so takes- fucking dumb.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, I used to think that. So everyone knows, everyone knows we've talked about this before. Like, The Village. Like, I remember seeing The Village when it came village. out and being like, this is a masterpiece. Yeah. And then everyone talked shit about it, and I was like, am I wrong? And then I rewatched it again, like, a few years ago, and I was like, I've never been more right about anything in my life. Yeah, this The is Village is fucking good. The Village holds up, and I will defend that movie.
1: There, <sighs> I know that it's like a meme now to say that, like, M. Night Shyamalan sucks, but the um, the stuff that he's given us, Signs, the village, six cents. Mm-hmm. He deserves to have some misses, of which I will forgive him for. Like the lady in the water, whatever was dumb,
0: um, or like avatar. the beach that makes you get old. <laughs>
1: yeah and it's like you know what at least he's trying to make something that's new and he's not as much as i love superhero films it's like at least it's not a superhero film and at least it's not a remake of a classic
0: a fucking man dude i'm right there with you god the village was so iconic it still is
1: yeah and we need to protect those spaces in Mm -hmm. uh
0: pop culture yeah they need to make money and be created too so Anyone wants to talk shit about M. Night Shyamalan, specifically the village, you can come fist fight me. Yeah, look Noelle up, pay 99 cents to find out where she lives and come yeah. fight her. You don't even have to pay, just message me and say I want to fight okay. about it and just I'll tell DM you. Just DM the podcast and she'll yeah. s- drop a pin. I'll drop you a pin, I'll watch you, and then send me your ETA, I'll watch you come here. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, So, um, and here is my favorite, my favorite part of the Exorcist curse. The most metal of it all. It was reported that during the release screening in Rome, so, you know, in our favorite place, in our favorite secret Disneyland place of yeah. Catholicism, um, a bolt of lightning struck a church opposite the theater.
1: I would shit my pants. I would shit myself inside out. That's I how scared like, I would
0: fucking be. Hell shit! And everyone would freak out. And I would yeah. be like, this is my, this is, I live for this. this is my you would get killed day. at like a, like, you would be crowd crushed. But it would be and then there you go i would add to the curse and it would be even more fucking heavy metal. yeah
1: that would so. be so fucking scary. imagine that time like especially in like an app like in that location because i'm sure anyone who goes to rome or goes to the vatican is like minding their p's and q's just because of like what that place represents you know what i mean it's the same thing it, it's just an area that has an atmosphere of sacredness to it whether you believe in it or not it's so fucking charged mm-hmm yeah no, oh, exactly. I, bet, I bet that was so intense that would have scared the <sighs> shit out of you dude so
0: fucking metal dude so it is
1: metal, metal. Like, Say that. some people cannot even pay <laughs> to be that scared
0: I wish it was me I wish it was me um, and you want to know what else is cursed this pattern um, because let's go back a few years and this pattern of horror books turned into horror movies turned into horror curses so in 1967 r11 published his second book it sold over 4 million copies and was the best-selling novel of the 60s it was quoted as start quote one of the most perfectly crafted thrillers ever written end quote he had already sold two tv scripts to NBC, so it was no big surprise when his second book the one we're talking about above rosemary's baby took Ooh, off
1: what was his first book i'm curious
0: um, I've looked it up, but I don't remember. Eleven first um, 11
1: first book. Um, to give Rosemary's Baby a big... Oh, it was a kiss before dying. <laughs> I've never heard of that before either. Rosemary's Baby, the best depiction of what a possession actually is that
0: we have in pop culture. Oh, I would agree. And you're going to kind of figure out why. Um, this is a quote directly from a Vanity Fair article where <laughs> they interviewed um, Ira about Rosemary's Baby. Feel free to read it, Chelsea. Yeah, so...
1: In 1965, struggling as always for his next big idea, Levin looked no further than his pregnant wife in their New York apartment. He plopped every would-be parent's feelings of anxiety atop an imminent historical moment, June 1966, or 666, aka the number of the beast, as predicted in the New Testament's Book of Revelation. Religious counterculture was already swirling. The Church of Satan was soon to be established in San Francisco, and in April, 1966, Time Magazine had just famously asked on its cover, is God dead? Levin went even darker. What if he took the birth of Jesus and turned the whole tale, the whole tale upside down? What if God was not only dead, but the devil lived? You want to know what's crazy on the flippy flip of this?
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> I graduated from high school in 2006. And my friend's mom took us to Disneyland. Um, and we went on June 6th of 2006 and someone wrote 666 the the in the sky with like, they hired an airplane to do the cloud writing and they did 666 like in the Omen like the birthmark. Mm-hmm. I'm so fucking scared, man. I'm so fucking Dude, scared. Oh, that's scared so of the trauma.
0: Yeah, it got me. That crazy. is so, again once again, all these super metal things <laughs> happening so to everyone scary. else besides me. Yeah. So, a year later, a film adaptation was in the works to be directed by Roman Polanski. Yeah, that fuck. So let's go down the list of events. The movie's composer, Comida, after completing the soundtrack, which, by the way, if you listen to the Rosemary Baby soundtrack, is spooky scary, um, was roughhousing at a party when he fell off a rocky plateau. That's... That's some serious roughhousing. Some
1: of this stuff is so contrived.
0: It's contrived. And then the fact
1: that it exists in the real world. I'm like, ah, there's fire here. There's not just
0: smoke. And when he fell off of that fucking rocky plateau, he also fell into a four month coma that he never regained consciousness from. Oh my God. And spoiler alert. The slipping into a fucking four month coma and never regaining consciousness and dying is also how the witches killed Rosemary's friend in the book. Yep, of course they did. Of fucking course. That's creepy, dude. I know. Creepy. Producer William Castle received so much hate mail that it got him sick enough to be hospitalized. And while in the hospital, he hallucinated scenes from the movie and yelled, quote, Rosemary, for God's sake, drop the knife.
1: Yeah, those, he's being haunted by de- his own demons at that yeah. point. That's scary, too, though. He did recover, but he never made another film in Hollywood. That's so crazy. Imagine receiving that
0: much hate that you have to go to the hospital. Yeah, he had, like, fucking kidney stones. He was so stressed about all the hate that he was receiving he had oh, such horrific kidney stones that he had to be hospitalized for it to pass them isn't that fucked? that is fucked? so insane also, yeah so all the things to get fucking kidney stones
1: yeah that's the cherry the on devil. top of just yeah, yeah that that's is the devil's workings <laughs> that's a, yeah that's the devil's cherry is a kidney stone
0: yeah that's as close to giving birth as men will ever feel so uh-huh and if any names have stuck out to you out to you here, you, the collective you and we, it's probably Roman Polanski. Yeah, we hate him. We hate him. We hate him. But there's something that's going to happen Yeah, because of him. During the filming of Rosemary's Baby, he and his fiance, Sharon Tate, relocated to Los Angeles. Apparently, Sharon had tried for the lead role, but Paramount ended up casting Mia Farrow. Mm Mm-hmm. You can see Sharon Tate in an uncredited background scene of a party in the film. If you want to. I did not know that. Yeah. It's spooky. Um, Again, if names are sounding familiar, it's because the true apex of this cursed film about birthing the Antichrist happened on August 9th, 1969, when Earthbound Antichrist Charlie Manson instructed his followers, or the Manson family, to commit a series of murders across Los Los Angeles, stating, quote, Go to the house and totally destroy everyone in it. Make it as gruesome as you can. Now known as the Tate-LaBianca murders, six people were killed, including an eight-and-a-half-month pregnant Sharon Tate, whose unborn child also died as a result. And her friends, Jay Serbring, Abigail Fogler. Chelsea, I think you've got this name. Woshek Furkowski. I have no idea. And Stephen Parrott. That sounded good. You know what? Also, what? Mia,
1: not to interrupt the Manson family, but Mia Farrow also had a shitty life because her husband married her kid that they yeah. adopted together.
0: Yeah. Nasty. Yeah. And yes. also um, the reason why everyone fucking hates um, Roman Plansky is because he's also a fucking weirdo pedophile.
1: Yeah. Who's currently so. like in the UK or somewhere where he won't be charged for his crimes.
0: Yeah. Literally, literally cursed. Literally cursed energy, literally cursed from the beginning. Mm-hmm. um So the following evening, the Manson family also murdered supermarket executive Leno Labianca and his wife Rosemary uh. at their home in Los Feliz. In the house that Sharon and Fuckface owned, Sharon pleaded to be allowed to live long enough to give birth and offered herself as a hostage in an attempt to save the life of her unborn child. But both Susan Atkins and Tex Watson stabbed Tate 16 times, killing her and her unborn child. According to Tex, Manson had told the women to quote, leave a sign, something witchy. Susan wrote pig on the front door in Sharon's blood.
1: Which is a weird choice for, that's horrific, but that's not what I would have gone for if someone told me to leave something witchy. I would have done, like, an inverted cross.
0: Yeah, and apparently um, Susan Atkins would, like, go on, and I'm totally paraphrasing because I haven't, like, lo- read about the um, Manson trial in a minute. But one of the Manson family members, I think his name was, like, Bobby, was currently in prison for, uh, like, another thing. Like murder that had happened, and mm-hmm. he had written something in blood um, about like the, co- the cops, like calling them pigs or something like that. And so she claims that she specifically wrote that to try to make it seem like the murderer was still out there. They had wrongly convicted him.
1: That makes more sense. Yeah, but that's not what she.
0: That's not what she. So you can't follow basic instructions. I mean, leave it to the Manson family to be fuck ups. So, um. Didn't some of them just get out or are they in there forever? Uh, shoo, I know, uh, like, I know some of them were going up for like parole again. Like, um, maybe that is it. Something from, she got the weird name. Um, but I thought they were like still getting, uh, denied parole. I can't um, even believe they're um, up for parole. Squeaky from, squeaky from was who I was thinking about. Um, She was paroled. Yeah. Squeaky from was paroled in 2009. Um, Susan Adkins died in 2009. Um, Tex Watts. Tex Watts. Oh my God. I can't. Tex Watson. Jesus. Um, He's, he was put on death row. Um, I, I don't remember if he died because of that i think so i because i think he was given the death penalty i'm Mm -hmm. gonna go ahead and assume um and oh bobby that guy who was talking about who um they were like trying to that's what they're trying to do with like the pig and blood to like get him released Mm -hmm. um he was denied parole in uh 2019 so that's good Leslie Van Houten. Um she is what is it sentenced to seven years to life in prison. Leslie Van Houten. Um Yeah, I don't man, who was it? I can't fall down a manson hole right now. It's yeah, that's fine. You don't have to. Someone they I feel like some of them did get off on parole obviously like squeaky did but um i feel like someone did come up recently i feel like that too, i but, kind of know. stopped following after charlie died i never
1: followed it too much um i think i did like a deep dive
0: once and then that was it
1: and then i never did it again
0: yeah i think like for me the manson murders obviously were like horrific because they tied into this like hollywood like the dark hollywood story yeah. you know like with um what happened to sharon tate and what i was referencing when we first started this episode was like the brutality in which everyone was murdered mm-hmm. i was not going to go into that um yeah. if you want to hear that you can listen to the last podcast episodes on it um it is some of the most gruesome shit you'll ever fucking hear in your entire life Um, but that's not the point of this. The point of this is to talk about how fucking cursed all these motherfuckers were and how cursed these fucking movies are. And the most unfortunate thing is that there are motherfuckers throughout this, throughout both of these movies, right? Like, in The Exorcist, hey, maybe let's not break a fucking woman's back to get a shot. Or, hey, maybe let's not traumatize a 14-year-old child for a fucking movie. Um, and of course, with, um, rosemary's baby like great one of the best fucking horror films of its time is directed by um known pedophile creep roman polanski um and it's also connected to because like the movie was still in theaters showing when fucking sharon tate was murdered by goddamn charlie manson and it's like with all that with all that fucking bullshit trauma curse fucking energy these are still two of the best fucking movies to ever exist ever period <laughs> yeah. point blank and it almost yeah. is like they had to be this cursed like of course like they they, ch- they changed the trajectory of pop culture as we know it
1: they really did like they are powerful films even if you haven't seen them even if you have no desire to see them like you're still impacted in some way by like the the ripples of, that their effect has had
0: no, a thousand percent. I mean, Rosemary's Baby in particular um, was blossoming at the same time as like um, Anton LaVey in the Church of Satan. Mm-hmm. Like this was the pop.
1: It's yeah. crazy.
0: It's it's to to be a fly on the wall during that moment in time. We yeah. just don't have anything like that because because it was all happening here. The extreme culture-breaking, society-defining moments of pop culture film literature mixing in with like everyday people like that that blend that clash like it all happened here at this time so that's why now we can have some gruesome gory blasphemous exorcist movie debut in the summer flick and no one fucking bats a goddamn eye it'll never be this it'll never be this moment ever again
1: and it will never be, like, the first of its kind again. Like, now mm-hmm. we're used to it. I don't think somebody could do Rosemary's Baby and give it the same pop. or some. I don't think no. someone could redo The Exorcist and give it the same pop. Because no, it, they've tried. They've tried and they can't. Yeah, they went as extreme as they probably could. And now it's like we're desensitized to that.
0: Yeah, they went as extreme as they possibly could. They were genre-defying. They were pushing what was accepted and okay. And also they were just taking a little finger lick to the wind to figure out what direction to blow as far as cultural moments. The fact that Rosemary's baby came out when it did during like one of the first rises of satanic panic, that borderline fucking incredible historic. Yeah. You can it never had, replicate that. It had great timing. Yeah. Um. So there you go. There are two cursed movies that I love. I learned so much, and I am slightly terrified
1: to continue the rest of my day.
0: Well, you know what will help that? Watching The Exorcist. Or you can uncurse your day by going to the link tree in any of our bios. I'm at Noelle Fain. That's at Sith Lard. We are at Go to help Podcast, In that, you can find a link to our Patreon. A dollar gets you in. We put out episodes every week. It's fucking tight. You sign an NDA. Don't talk shit. We have a little. I have a little bit of a a mental breakdown moment, and Chelsea snaps me right out. (laughs) Yeah, I I got to. I did bring you back down to earth there for a bit thank god it got dark Mm -hmm. for a moment Mm -hmm. um you can also find a link to kelly holloran or at wildwood owls Etsy shop where she makes all of our cool shit including the super sick furby art that she made of chelsea and i i i cannot express how adorable those are also how identifiable they are if anyone needs custom art go to fucking kelly because how did she take two fucking furbies and make them literally us literally police lineup you could have picked those out
1: i've never looked better than in furby form
0: i will agree with that as well i feel that i feel that on a spiritual level um you can also find links to our discord channel our facebook group which i don't know get off facebook and i don't know why you would need it but if you do um you can also find links to listen to us but you're listening to us now so that doesn't seem like it's a problem maybe so you can send the episodes to your grandma yeah maybe that um and I guess rate and review us it's pretty easy to do on Spotify now you just hit that five stars baby leave a comment if you want you don't have to I don't like when people tell me to comment I'm like I have nothing to say to you why would I fucking say that so yeah I don't yeah just don't do that um yeah and Chelsea and I are also doing a secret project later this month very important project we are doing a very important project i don't know if we could talk about it i'm going to try to film it when we're there but we are we are doing a presentation we are doing a presentation at i think chelsea's alma mater right it is yep where i got my super helpful degree yeah, your very important degree. Yeah, we're going to be there. We're going to be there. We're going to be chit-chatting. We're going to be doing a little presentation. It's uh um, Chelsea and Noel go to college. Yeah. We go we go back to college, baby. Yep. Um let's see if we can finally do something useful with those degrees.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Finally, I'll someone is going to learn something. And it's yeah. going to be from us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm also ready to get judged heavily. Um, speaking of judged heavily, you know who won't? Satan so let's go ahead and give him a Hail Satan
1: uh, You know I'm just going to think of the purest person I can And say Hail Noelle's mom
0: Okay she wouldn't fair. ever let
1: anything Bad happen to me
0: No she wouldn't she definitely wouldn't So, Alright All cool.
1: well Bye Bye